Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 19 of True Crime Time. This is episode number two of Tales from the Quarantine, which is where we still are. Alex is here. You might know her from last episode. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> here we are again. Yep. Telling stories. Do you want to do you want to tell them what we did after we recorded the last one? Do you remember? I have no idea what we did last time. <laughs> we took a gourd and we went into the street. Oh, and we smashed it to bits. And we smashed it while I screamed, "There are no rules." There um are no rules. Which I'm sure the neighbors appreciated. And, uh, yeah, that's what we did after last time. It was good times. So. There are no locks on Nina's <laughs> jewelry box. That's right. There are. No one's going to know what that means. But it's fine. We don't need to. No one needs to know. It's none of their business. Nope. It's none of your business. So. How's, uh, how's quarantine? It's good? How's it going? You asking me? I am. Um. You know, it's uh, it's one of those things. Of course, you want to stay alone as much as humanly possible, but... I love being alone. If you happen to have a cousin that hasn't been outside in about a month and a half, you know that you're safe going over there to hang out with her. This is the safest place to be. Yeah, so um, I'm good. You? So, I'm great. I mean, I'm doing great. Yeah. Taking care of my skin. My, skin, my skin's getting nice. You know what? It is. I know. Thank you, you are taking care of business. I'm taking care of business. I'm working overtime. Um, <laughs> nice. So, oh, a couple weeks ago, I actually meant to tell this last time, there was a bottle of, of wine that I really wanted to open. I realized I didn't have like a, what was it, like a corkscrew? Is yep. that what it's called? Okay. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have one. And um, I decided I was going to get in there anyway. You I, stab it. You I stab it with a knife. I didn't tell you this. No. Okay. So yeah, I tried to stab it with a knife, but the cork was very long. So then I took a screwdriver and I was trying to like dig the cork out, but I had to like break it off in pieces. Yeah. Um, so then finally, after like five minutes of that, five minutes, I'm not exaggerating. Your cork was destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> My cork was only half destroyed. Uh-huh. And I took a screwdriver and I started just jamming it. <laughs> and then he just poured it really down. Hard. And then... Um, it went in, but I guess the force that I was using was so much that the red wine exploded everywhere and covered me and everything else. And so I kind of looked like, um, Carrie, Carrie. Yeah. And I started, la- I think I left for three whole minutes standing there, just dri- <laughs> just dripping, which is, um, probably a sign of mental instability. <laughs> no, I've done something oh, just standing very similar. Cackling. <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I um, smashed my cork into my bottle. That <laughs> wine went all over my ceiling. And uh, my um, boyfriend at the time, I just screamed, Oh my God! And he thought something terribly wrong happened because there was red everywhere and also on the ceiling. And it was just me standing there with a <laughs> with an absolutely destroyed cork yep. in the wine bottle. Did you drink it with a piece of cork in it? I'm not a fancy woman. I did. I'm not a proud woman. I drank that wine. Yeah. That I wine mean, was mine. It probably just strengthens your immune system, right? Or like fiber or something. You get something from it. Listen, I'm not rich. I got a little cork in my wine. <sighs> yeah, just man. like you said, it's a little protein or something. Something. Yeah. All right. So here's what's going on today. More tales from the quarantine. I was working on an official episode with a case, but unfortunately that got derailed due to my guest having to go into official quarantine but we're not going to talk about that now 
because we're going to come back and do that episode with that guest maybe for our next episode. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, so today, what we're going to do is I have a bunch of stories from other podcasters. I spoke with a bunch of podcasters who have stories to share. So I'm going to tell you their story. I'm going to tell you what podcast they're from. And then I'm going to repeat all the podcast names at the end so you can have new stuff to listen to while you're stuck in quarantine. Everybody wins, right? Everybody. Maybe you'll find your new favorite podcast after this one, of course. So if you just hold on for one second, we're going to do a quick commercial, come back, and I'm going to tell Alex the tales from the quarantine. Okay, here we are. Hello, how are you? You good? Yeah, that was quite the break. It was a, it was a crazy break. It was. We also just finished watching. 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 We've been drinking again, just also FYI. Um, Mija. The <laughs> yeah, that's the name of the sangria. That's good. Um, the Prince. What was it? The Grammy. Let's tribute. go crazy. Uh, Grammy something. Um. Yeah. It was good. Uh, it was a weak start, but I think it got better as it went on. Um, Morris Day really picked it up. He did. It got better from there. Yeah. So that's good. So My just... Rudolph did, did well. My Rudolph did amazing. Um, that, <laughs> that silver, silver haired gal did a real hot number. The Purple Rain one? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. What I was her name? Her. Mavis? Maybe. I didn't catch it. I was too... Yeah, I think it was Mavis... Johnson, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to sound like a fool. I was hanging on her every note and word. I only want to see you permanently in the purple <laughs> rain. Yeah, she kind of. She got some of the lyrics a little funky, but we love her so much. She did a great job. Listen, God bless her. If I'm if I'm in my twilight years and I'm coming out and I'm singing for Prince, you better believe I'm getting a little nervous myself and singing some wild things. <laughs> I hope that happens. I want to hear the wild things. <laughs> All right. So, anyway. So, we have a mix of true crime. We got some paranormal. We got just some weird shit. Into it. So, here we go. Ready? Our first story is from Miles. From Forensic Miles. I'm going to repeat this all at the end. I'm going to give you a little synopsis at the end as well. Or a little tagline for each of the podcasts. So you can easily identify them and find out what you want to listen to. So, Miles writes, Here's my story. I don't want to mention any of the names of the schools or anything because I think I could be found really fast if someone wanted to find me. That's my crime brain talking. <laughs> oh, gosh. I get it. I feel you. When I was a freshman of Miami University of o Ohio. Sorry, I said that weird. That's me, Megan, not Miles. I started my journey in a law... LLC, Living Learning Community. For some reason, I thought I would 100% be a lawyer. Anyway, as a freshman in the Law LLC, we were required to take Law 101 class where they basically invited all these lawyers, investigators, etc. to speak to the students. To be honest, it was awesome. I think that sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. One of the people that came was an investigator from Cincinnati, which was like 45 minutes from Miami University. The guy was there to talk about a case he had just closed, the murder of Esme Kenny. I hope I'm saying that right. Kenny? Kenny? Kenny. While we were sitting in the lesson, I was, of course, extremely interested, and I loved the uh, presentation, but he was showing crime scene photos, and I could tell my friend who was sitting next to me was feeling uncomfortable. 
so I asked him about it. Turns out he knew Esme. Oh, that sucks. Wow. She was his girlfriend's best friend in middle slash high school. Yowza. That's rough. Esme would have been about my age, but she had been murdered at 13. She had been running in the woods by her home. The first time she had ever been allowed to run alone. I hate that. That's what always happens. She was 13? Mm -hmm. And it was his friend's girlfriend in middle school? Yes. Middle high school. Middle high school. Wow, so it must have been, like, right then that she passed. Yeah. Um, okay, so, and this is where things get interesting. She went to Cincinnati Waldorf School. I immediately felt a connection with her. We were around the same age, and I went to the San Francisco Waldorf School from kindergarten through high school. There was something about this story that really attracted me to crime and forensics, so although I didn't keep going with law, I did move into criminology and ended up getting a minor. Good for you, girl. A few years later, I met one of my best friends. We were literally inseparable. Around our senior year, she started talking about how her mother's health was declining and that she was getting sick. She said it all started with the trial. The trial? What trial? Her mother mother had been a juror on the Esme Kenny case, convicting the murderer, Anthony Kirkland. But it doesn't end there. When I graduated college, I felt really lost. I didn't know what I wanted to do, so I thought really hard and remembered the last time I was super duper happy and I thought of Waldorf. That's when I thought of Esme and the Cincinnati Waldorf School, so I applied and I ended up getting the job. I now work with some of Esme's best friends from middle school, and I have her to thank because I feel like if I hadn't heard her story, I would have never been where I am today. That's nice. I am super surprised that no one that I know of has covered her story. Anthony Kirkland was a monster. He murdered four women. First, he killed his girlfriend, was convicted and put in prison, and then he was released, and he proceeded to kill three teenage girls. What he did to Esme was horrific. She says, you should look it up. I probably will. Yeah. I'm afraid of what I will see. Wow. Ooh. Well... It's nice that some good came out of that. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's one of those things that you never know what it is that makes you think of something or draws you to something that, whether it's you yourself thinking of it or, you know, just that little thing speaking into your ear. Right. Just saying, you know, this is something that you should definitely look into. You should follow your path. This is your path. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird. You know, if you believe in the supernatural, you never know if it's one of your family spirits or the young girl's spirit or even one of your very own spirit guides saying, you know, this is what you have a passion for. Yeah. This is your direction. Give it a shot. And it's amazing that she got the job. Yeah, I think so. That's yeah, cool. right on. Wow. Okay. That's heavy. So... <laughs> Now we have a story from Lou. He has previously guested on this podcast um, with the Diane Schuler episode. If you recall, if you haven't listened, go check that out. It's a few back. So Lou is from a podcast called The Big Bucket of Chicken. Delicious. <laughs> Not if, I don't think it's delicious if you watch it. I don't know. Check, check it out. If I watch a big bucket of chicken, it's, wa- it's not much watching because I'm it's not. devouring that amount yeah. of animal. And Lou's um, vegetarian now. Don't oh vegan, God. so even less delicious. Wow. Sorry, sorry, Lou and other vegan vegetarians. Anyway, so Lou has an interesting story to 
tell us. And it goes a little something like this. In the summer of 2011, I was experimenting with edibles quite a bit. I was making pot brownies every weekend for a few weeks and having a pretty good time. One particular weekend, I wanted to have people over my apartment to hang out and watch TV and enjoy my delicious treats. Normally, I would make a tray of about six to eight brownies, but this night I knew I was going to be having like six or seven people over and maybe that wouldn't have been enough. Holy cow. It totally would have been. And what I did instead was really dumb. I bought an ounce of some homemade regs from a friend of a friend and broke it all up and made butter and then made chocolate chip cookies, about 30 of them. I figured we could all have one or two or three. Mistake. So I made the cookies, we all have a few, and then we began watching It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, an amazingly hilarious (laughs) show that I knew would make for some good edible adventures. Me, my girlfriend at the time, and a few of my sisters and their friends ate cookies, watched TV, and then started laughing, and all the fun was had. I wish that is all that happened. (laughs) But what actually took place was that everyone, including myself, ate about two to three cookies, which was already too much. Initially, everything was fine, as most edible stories begin. But at some point, and still to this day, I'm not sure why, while we were watching the show, I, sitting next to the plate of the remaining cookies, somehow, without realizing, continued to eat cookie after cookie until there was only, like, two or three left. Mm -hmm. Our estimation was that I ate about a dozen, (gasps) maybe 13, which is a baker's dozen. dozen. Yes. (laughs) This is the exact wrong way to consume edibles. Do not repeat this process. Anywho, so as the show was going on and everyone was having their good time, I began to feel dizzy. So much so so that the room was spinning and I felt nauseous. I turned to my sister to tell her that I was feeling dizzy and my paranoia had me ask her if she thought the pot was laced with other drugs or something like that. He had the drugs. He made them. Does he think he laced his own brownies? Cookies? No, no, no. He means that his friend of a friend oh. did some voodoo to some, them. Some voodoo brownies? Okay. Oh my god. Uh, so she was sitting on the floor and she looked up at me laughing and said, laughing in my face, you're dizzy because you're spinning in circles. I felt oh. like an idiot because I was somehow unaware that I was now standing, not sitting, and what I was doing was spinning in tight circles in place. <laughs> <laughs> to the point where everything was moving and I felt sick. Everyone thought this was so funny. I was scared, but not much. Not yet. I decided at this point to go outside and smoke a cigarette. So I go outside and stand in front of my door and smoke a cigarette. No. My apartment at the time was facing the backyard of my landlord's house. So I began doing what I normally did while standing back there smoking. I stared at the grass and the bushes and smoked. The summer night there... Yes, that's right. The summer night there was a lot of mosquitoes flying around the sensor light above my head and coming from the dark backyard towards the light. At this point, I'm not following the paths of all the little bugs, and as one large one came close, I remember I was staring at it so hard that I even locked eyes with it. (laughs) In the same instant, a feeling came over me of, how high am I right now? Super. (laughs) So I began scanning the yard again, and as I did, I stared at things like the grass and the bushes, only this time, as I stared longer, I realized, oh, I'm not high, I'm tripping balls. (laughs) I flicked my cigarette and went back inside. I said nothing to no one. I kept it to myself and pretend to watch TV. Shortly after that, my sisters and their friend decided they wanted me to drive them back to my parents' house. I had to admit that not only did I think I was too intoxicated to drive, 
but I was so high that I did not think I could figure out how to even drive a car, let alone keep it runner side down. Rudder? Runner? I don't, I don't know. know what that means. <laughs> they called my sister who came to pick them up. They left. Now it's just me and my girlfriend. She decides to go to bed as soon as they leave, and I decide to stay up and watch more TV. At least that is what I told her. <laughs> really, I was just too fucked up to begin to even imagine ever sleeping again. So as soon as she went into our bedroom, I shut the TV off. TV was too intense and weird for me. The drugs were taking hold. I thought this would pass soon, but after the TV went off, then it was just me in my living room listening to and staring at the air conditioner. The air conditioner was small, too small to cool my tiny apartment, so it would just run, uh, run from the minute it was turned on to the minute it was turned off. This droning air conditioner sound became the bane of my existence, <laughs> to the point where I was standing directly in front of it with my face two inches from it, both listening to the pattern um, of the sounds the machine was making and also cooling off my face because all I could do at this point was freak out and sweat bullets. So... I stared and I listened for what I want to say was like 20 minutes, but may have been over an hour. Then, even though it was hot and I was sweating, I had to turn the thing off. It was certainly mocking me. Yes. Now standing in my living room slash dining room slash kitchen, I decide the best thing for me to do right now is to turn on the faucet and drink a glass of tap water. I never drink tap water, but that night it was my only medicine, or so I thought. Now just keep in your mind that now running faucet... Because I turned it on at this point, and I think I did not turn it off for about six hours or so. Probably longer. It was very soothing, the sound. I guess. I drank my glass of gross tap water, stand there for a second, or an hour, who knows, then decide the next thing I need to do is take all of my clothes off and put on shorts. So I <laughs> quietly enter the bedroom of my sleeping girlfriend and grab sh um, some shorts and change. Nope. I burst through the door, turn the lights on. <laughs> Open all the doors, <laughs> strip down to my underwear, wake her up, and startle her, of course. She asks me what I do I'm doing, and I tell her I'm hot and need to change, so I put on my shorts. Then I ask her if I'm okay, which is a weird question to ask anyone, as they are not you. <laughs> I agree. That's a very weird question to ask someone. She looks at me and laughs and says, yeah, you're fine. Why? I explain that I'm freaking out a little bit, but I laugh and tell her it's okay. Don't worry. And I kiss her goodnight, turn out the light, and she goes back to bed. I leave the bedroom and enter the bathroom. I stare in the mirror at the at my penny-sized pupils and think of the time I took mushrooms and know that I'm fully tripping right now. I begin to think frantically of what to do if there's even anything I can do, but then staring in the mirror is so fun, I do that for a while. <laughs> Minutes, maybe more. Time has completely gone out of the window. I'm having some fun at this point. Then the thought comes to me. I need to get the <laughs> I need to get the contents of my stomach out of my body, so I try to make myself throw up. Some comes out, but not much. Not a dozen cookies worth, so I think I'll shit it out. So I nice. sit there, right? And of course, I do not have to go and can't make anything happen. And then my brain begins to feed off my frantic thoughts. And I start thinking about how forcing myself to puke and shit may actually kill me. Then I start thinking about who may have died from doing this, sitting on the toilet on drugs. <laughs> and boom, the thought pops into my head. Elvis. This is how Elvis really died. <laughs> he was on drugs and thought to shit it all out and had a stroke or a heart attack or whatever. Wow. And the thought that I might die in this moment trying to force a shit <laughs> that has yet to ripen actually makes me laugh. 
not ready to harvest his crops. <laughs> oh man, Lou. This is... I start to breathe and laugh and think, okay, okay, I think I got this. And literally, as soon as I think I'm going to be okay and everything will be fine, the bathroom door flies open and my girlfriend is standing there clutching her teddy bear crying and saying, I think I'm freaking out too. I feel like I'm in a dream. Now, she was someone who barely ever smoked pot and was a lightweight drinker as well. So I'm sure she really wants... Wait, hold on. So I'm sure she really wants all that messed up. But that one... Oh, she wasn't all that messed up. I got it. But the one cookie she probably ate Plus me bursting into the room, freaking her out and waking her definitely did not help her at all. So I did the thing I could do for her in the moment. I slammed the door shut in her face. (laughs) I think I whispered to myself or in my head, nope, sorry, you're on your own (laughs) or something like that. I heard her go back to bed. I sat there on the toilet for some more time, listening to the faucet running and full blast in the kitchen for some amount of time. Could have been 15 minutes. Could have been two hours. I really have no idea. <laughs> then I gather myself, wash up, and go into the bedroom. She was laying there in the dark but was not sleeping. She had calmed down but is clearly high too. I talk her down and back from any amount of panic she was feeling. This actually helps me a lot and made me calm. I do this and I feel better and she feels better. I kiss her goodnight and walk out into the kitchen, pour myself another tall glass of tap water, chug it, and then proceed to pace around my living room, dining room, kitchen for some amount of time talking to myself, tripping, watching the tiny particles of floaty things float in the air. Then I walk back into my bedroom, wake up my girlfriend again, and have the exact same conversation I had previously. <laughs> I leave again, I pace, I talk to myself, then again, go back into my bedroom, wake her up, and have the exact conversation again. I do this so many times over the course of hours that eventually she is sitting there in bed in the dark waiting for me and laughs, laughs as soon as I walk in the room. <laughs> she lets me ask her the same questions and make the same statements about what I'm experiencing. From my memory, I do not think this dawns on me that I'm doing this over and over again. Eventually, I do remember her just exploding with laughter as I entered the room one of the last times, which made me laugh hysterically, but did not stop me from having the same conversation again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember all the details, but I'm sure it was like, are you okay? I'm okay. Isn't that weird? I'm tripping. And isn't the air funny? Etc. <laughs> you know, typical trippy high bullshit. Eventually, she falls back to sleep and the sun starts to come up. It's not something like 7... It is something like 7 or 8 in the morning. So, like, maybe 10 or 11 hours since I ate the cookies. Not 100% sure, but something like that. I drink one last glass of water and turn it off, finally. It was running that whole time. Gallons of water just went down the drain. So dumb. That is dumb. You're dumb. I think I did try to lay down way before this, but this time was the first time the spins didn't hit me and I could close my eyes and fall asleep. A few hours go by. I think I woke up around 11 a.m. or noon. This is Sunday. I wake up, sit up, and before I even open my eyes, I think, oh, thank God this is over. Then as I'm sitting up, I open my eyes and immediately realize, nope, I'm still tripping exactly as I was four hours ago when I fell asleep. Still tripping hard. I'm more calm now, but I can't function or keep any useful thoughts in my head, so I go into the living room, sit on the couch, stare at the TV, not on, just stare at my own reflection (laughs) in the black gray screen for some time, not sure how long. Then my phone rings. It's my mom asking if if we would like to come over for Sunday dinner. I say no. Of course there's no way I can interact with any other human being on the face of the earth like this. 
She comes and sits next to me. This is the girlfriend. She's maybe hungover, but she's fine and tells me she's hungry. I know for certain that I'm not, but we decide to go to McDonald's. I decide to, I decide to drive to test and just see how fucked up I am. Now, this was safe. I was able to operate the car, but the sunlight was bugging me. I felt lost the whole time. It took way too long to get to a McDonald's that was like a mile from my apartment to the point where I remember thinking back uh, that I was making wrong turns and she had to direct me back to the right way and it still felt like it took a long time. So we get some shitty food and bring it back to the apartment. I take a few bites but can't eat. I spend the literal rest of the entire day staring at a TV that is not on (laughs) and I don't remember what she did the whole time. Maybe watch me. (laughs) (laughs) I was so glued to this blank TV staring in the nothingness of it um, of the blank screen that we even slept in the living room that night on our couch that converted into a bed. I could not leave the couch. I'm not even sure why, but I remember waking up Monday morning and feeling only 75% of my normal self for the rest of the day at work. I was very giggly and spacey. I know for sure everyone I worked with back then knew I was either on drugs or just having a breakdown of some kind. (laughs) It was like living in a cartoon that day. By the end of Monday, I was better, back to normal, a full 48 hours later. Now, I didn't trip nor was I high for all of those 48 hours, but certainly for like 35 of those hours. (laughs) If you're going to eat edibles, eat half of what you think you should or even half of that. Only take what you can handle and always know your dealer. Good luck, children. Wow. What an adventure. What an adventure. <laughs> I mean, right off the bat, I was super shocked that he even made those cookies when his landlord lived on premise. Because that right off the bat, I'd be like, okay, the cops are definitely coming now. The cops are 100% coming as soon as the pot starts cooking. As soon as I take the first bite of that cookie, I'm I'm absolutely paranoid. I'm petrified. What do you think they would do? Just run and smack it out of your hands? What, the police officers? <laughs> yeah, how'd they know? Um, in a high mind, you are being carted away to prison forever and a day. You are not Just getting out of cookie? that. Yep. All right. And also, besides that being said, another thing that I was thinking about is, wow, (laughs) that apartment sounds like it has a lovely open concept. (laughs) And also, besides that, I was also thinking, I can't even imagine how um, brave he was to go outside and smoke that cigarette, (laughs) because I would have been like, wow, my landlord right now is doing one of those things like uh, Ethel Mertz from I Dream of Jeannie, <laughs> where she's peeking blinds. through the blinds, yeah. looking at him, uh, smoking the cigarette, being like, okay, I'm acting natural. I'm definitely being natural right now. Am I being natural? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I am. And then like staring off into space for about 18 minutes and then being like, oh my God, my landlord definitely just saw me doing that. It would be, it would be a whole mess. It's a lot. Like that's a, I just don't like, also in that state for such a long time, you don't feel like you like, Maybe have to like go to the hospital or something. I don't know. He sounds like he had some experience. Yeah, yeah. No. Um, <laughs> that sounds very scary. Uh, God, God, may God bless him. <laughs> GB, Lou. Holy cow! Yeah. Wow. Okay. Your so, cat, your cat's humping a blanket. Yeah, that's what he does. <laughs> okay. That's his girlfriend blanket. <laughs> I'm I'm looking at you and your nostrils are flaring as you're saying that. <laughs> that's this is a normal. This is a normal occurrence. All right. Anyway, so. (laughs) So, next, we have Thea from Working Classless. She actually sent in two 
things for us, and I actually know her from high school, middle school. Wow. Yeah, good, good stuff. Have I ever met her? No. All right. You have not. Theorage, since put on furlough and being one of the lucky few to successfully apply for my unemployment benefits, I find myself struggling to answer the same question as many others. Now what? Without the implied or literal eye of society watching me. I find my answers becoming increasingly less intelligible and more like an impulsive series of manic giggles and inexplicable burbling noises, which I'm totally fine with. I get it. I kind of like the David Bowie slash Smeagol monstrosity I've become. <laughs> I love that I woke up one listless morning and decided that my day would be better with angrier eyes. So I've been wearing the sharpest liquid liner my rusty fingers could muster ever since. But why? My roommates don't care and my therapist shouldn't. You're so right. Wear that eyeliner. I nearly completely stopped washing my hair because I'm more afraid of losing the peach color I love than of the grease. I also have taken to wearing whatever the fuck I want whenever. Really stretching the conventional outstanding, uh, nope, understandings of an <laughs> outfit here. Don't mind me. Here are some of my favorite quarantine ensembles to date. A bathing suit, my prom dress from 2004, blazer and no shirt, and a nude leotard with gems glued to the breast for my 2011 mermaid costume. I'm currently writing this while day drinking and watching the joggers from my window, wearing nothing but leggings and a scarf as a shirt. I love that. That's a look. I'm not deluded enough to think that my choices are extreme or even unusual for this moment. I would be shocked if there wasn't someone listening right now in nothing but a single artfully placed sock. But they're the little things that are keeping me amused and therefore sane. The world may feel like a bad apocalypse movie, but at least I'll be the extra in the stupid hat. I like that. Cute. It's a good outlook. It is. So. She also sent me a story she calls Makeout Party. Mm. You ready for this? I don't know. Yes. <laughs> she writes, Have you ever heard of a makeout party? I hadn't until January. But when I found out it was an event where you can make out with fun queer strangers, I admit I was excited. I love the idea of making eyes at a rando cutie and being in a place where no strings, makeouts were not only allowed, but literally the point. Add that to the fact that we, that the event could, uh, well, you guys, this wine, sangria, it's fine. Add that to the fact that the event would have security and rules and no one was expecting more than a little fun. I couldn't stop talking about it. So the end of February, I roll up with two friends I'd convinced to join despite whispers of some mega virus. What could that have been about? Dunner. But rather than a fun, sexy club scene, we see maybe one or two people lingering in the small shoebox of a club, half-heartedly dancing in the aggressively pulsating lights of the dance floor. We pause. Okay, it's still a bit early. Let's go to another bar and come back in an hour. Regrouped and optimistic, we walk to a nearby pub and have a blast spinning wild conjecture on why the place was so dead and joke about how we'll just have to make out with each other if it's still dead. Eventually, we return and are relieved to see the shadows of a crowd at the far end of the club. We finally go in only to realize there's a concurrent drag show happening at the back nice. and all the attendees are crowded around the runway and otherwise distracted. Which seems, uh, which seems like a hurdle to the purpose of the evening. We wanted the attention on one another in the crowd to hunt and feel hunted in return. But instead, 
everyone was focused on, and I say this as a longtime attendee of amateur drag, one of the worst drag shows I've ever seen. The ladies came out and stood at the end of the runway with their hands literally extended to the audience like a kid asking for their allowance. Some laid on their backs and reached up for money. Mm. What? <laughs> Either way, my friends and I stayed back by the bar trying to quell the Daria-esque sarcasm growing inside. But then, intermission, the crowd breaks up and starts heading our way, so we finally get to see our potential suitors, only to find a group that gave us intense high school flashbacks. They looked young. Perhaps the doorman went on a long smoke break when the place was empty or something because these humans were not 21. <laughs> Everyone had a shiny new face with patches of acne and attempted facial hair. The crowd made their way to the bar with the jittery je ne sais quoi of a group of honor students out past curfew. And being uh, people who personally witnessed the 90s, my friend and I were not having it. I think we could get arrested for making out with any of these people. That sounds... That sounds right now. Also, we were a good five to ten inches taller than everyone somehow. Anyway, it just felt like a crime. So with panicked grins plastered, we made our way to the bar to cut our losses and tab out. Which is, of course, when my body decided we weren't done with this weird night and I demand, um, and demanded I find the bathroom. I let my friends know and eventually find an alcove along the walls. Two bathroom doors facing one another. I looked from one to another, noticed the symbols weren't clearly gendered, and the signs themselves were purple. Like the prince sign? Yes. Oh. That's fine. Love a gender-neutral bathroom. I'm with ya. So I walk in only to find a single stall, a urinal, and all male eyes on me. The <laughs> stall was occupied, so I quickly back out and walk to the other, only to find a single occupied stall, a urinal, and more confused male eyes on me. <laughs> <laughs> so I gave up. I decided I didn't really need to pee and booked it out of there while regaling my friend with the weird story of the world's most confusing bathrooms. <laughs> and the night wasn't a total wash. Next door, there was a hole-in-the-wall barcade, which we discovered some nice. um, some skee-ball and wacky old arcade games. We drank cheap cocktails and had a fucking blast. So, the moral of the story, sometimes the universe will protect your hedonistic ass from a deadly virus by making the party too weird to attend. And the night will still be amazing. It also protects you from uh, lip herb. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can get that from anyone. Yeah, you can, but, you know. My cat has herpes, just so everyone knows. <laughs> and he's staring at you right now with a cone on his face. <laughs> or on his head. Just, and just, because everyone always says this, oh my god, your cat, and like, no. He was born like this, he's not out in the streets, even if he was. He's not whoring it up. But even if he was, no judgment. I was taking a drink. But no he's not. judgment on your cat whoring it up? No. No judgment <laughs> on my cat. So. Now. Have a story. From Alyssa. Who is from the Wicked Buzz podcast. Um, she has two stories. One is true crime. One's Paranormal. Here we go. Um, this first one's her hometown. So she states she doesn't want to name anyone or where things took place just out of respect for their family, which can appreciate. Uh, she writes, there was a girl in my high school who was a huge people pleaser and pathological liar. Not a big deal. 
High school is shitty enough without people calling you out, so everyone let her do her thing. She was best friends with my friend, so she was everywhere we went, and I even went to her house a few times. Her family was really nice, and so was she for the most part, which is why everyone ignored her lies. We figured she just wanted attention. I had my cousin with me one time. We were hanging out, and she wanted to hook up with him. We noped the hell out, (laughs) and thank goodness. Flash forward a few years after graduation, I'm scrolling through a new site and her mugshot appears. After getting high, she and her boyfriend strangled a 19-year-old girl who was staying with them. They killed her for drug money. So unbelievably sad. The police found evidence on her phone that she had searched for ways to kill someone in their sleep. Oh. Oh my gosh. They even found text messages between her and her boyfriend. He threatened to go to the police and she responded with, Why the fuck would you ruin our lives over little shit? They were both charged with first-degree murder. Good riddance. That's wild. Wow. That's really insane. (laughs) Could you imagine? I'd rather not. No. I mean, it's probably for the best. Okay. So, her paranormal experience is as follows. I have been hearing a man's voice on and off for a few years. Wow, that's that, not past tense. That's, that's a present. St- that's a strong opening. Yeah. Strong opening line. I have no idea who could, who it could be since it doesn't sound like a deceased relative. There is no distinct tone to the voice and it's always just one word. I'm never scared when I hear it, just surprised. It's not my husband or any neighbors whose voices make Harry. The voice started in the first house we rented and continued at a townhouse we moved to. Oh. Oh. He has said hey several times, and one of my dog's names? Hmm. That's weird. He must really like your dog. I don't know. I haven't worked up the nerve to reply back out loud. We're living in a new place, and I haven't heard him since before we moved, so I'm not sure if he followed. If he does reach out again, maybe I'll say hey back. Oh my gosh, that sounds like one of those, um... I'm sorry, I just said um... Uh, what what's that short story? Short stories to tell in the dark. Scary stories to tell in the yeah, dark. Yeah, that book was so scary. Yeah, I would love to know what happened if she did say "Hey, back." Hey, hey, Alyssa. If you say if you hear him and you answer and he says something, can you please tell us? We'll do an update episode. Also, I would love to know if um, a little bit more about her dog. If it were a dog that she adopted, that it were maybe like a year old or anything like that. If it were a previous owner. I see where you're going. I like that. I do. Wow. Like maybe it was connected some other way. Not that he just thought it was like, hey, cute dog. Maybe it was his dog. Yeah. I mean, you know, things always have some kind of attachment in antique stores and things like that. Why not? Why not an animal? That's very interesting. That's a good idea. Would you say hey back? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I no. would not. I, no. Mm-mm. No. All right. Okay, well, all right. <laughs> but you know what, though? No. What? You never know. After after enough times of hearing the same thing over and over again for years on end, you may become familiar enough with it that you may at some point say, hey, back. I mean, I don't know that I would myself because I'm... Uh, a scaredy cat and yeah. you know I've seen I would. dead people and heard them and I've never responded to them so why start now <laughs> that's a fair point yeah I don't know I don't think I could 
Because, like, but here's what could happen next. Like, the conversation could go in a couple of ways. It could be something terrible, the response, or it could be something fine, or it could be something, like, boring and lackluster. Or you'd be like, hey, <laughs> I watch you when you eat Oreos. Like, I don't know. Or it could be like, hey, it's the horses. Yeah, he could make bad jokes at you. <laughs> we don't know. We Anything could happen. Hey, is for horses is certainly something that could be a punchline he's been building up to for several oh years. Gosh. He's been dying. For somebody to say it back to him. (laughs) (laughs) So Tina from the Muck podcast writes, here's a strange tale that my mother swears. um, Too concerning. I think I copied that wrong. An odd occurrence in her hometown. Here it goes. Ready? I am. Oh, I feel like there's Italian names in here I'm not going to be able to pronounce. Okay. As a kid, I heard a ton of stories about the strange occurrences that happened in the small village of... Oh, no. Bergnara? Does that sound familiar to you? Do you want me to read it? No. (laughs) It's fine. In the Abruzzo region... I said that's so white and American. Okay. Region of Italy where my family comes from. One of the stories that I always found peculiar was about a strange, angry man from the town... The story goes that the man was hated in the village. His reputation of hostility and mean-spiritedness was known throughout the town. He often relished in the failures of others, took advantage of people, mistreated his family, and was generally horrible. As time went on, he grew older and more ornery. Eventually, he died alone. This is the story of my life. (laughs) Anyway. Now, as this was a small village, they didn't have a uh, funeral director... And bodies weren't embalmed. Funeral preparations fell to the women of the town. When this man died, several women were called in to prepare the body, and my aunt was one of them. She worked with others to clean and dress the body for the funeral. As they washed the body, something strange started happening. The top of the man's skull started swelling. The women began to panic, but brushed it off as the humidity of the summer, causing the typical bodily reactions of a corpse. But the swelling continued to increase um, quickly and in two distinct, equally spaced spots at the top of his head. Um, Oh, no. Oh. Incredibly, the bumps erupted and what looked like bony nubs started pushing through the top of his skull. The frightened woman ran from the man's home to get the priest. By the time they returned with the priest, the horns had grown another two inches, curling like a ram's horns. In the panic, in a panic, the priest sprinkled holy water into the casket, invoked the name of God, and placed rosaries on the body, but the horns kept growing. The priest then urged the women to recite the Lord's Prayer and the Hail Mary as they attempted to close the casket. Because the horns protruded, it affected the way the coffin closed. They struggled with the casket. It took three women and the priest to finally secure the lid. The priest called in some of the village men to immediately take the casket and bury it without service. Now, I'm not sure what caused the panic in the women or the priest or what they really saw that night, but they truly believed that he was so evil that the devil came for him instead of God. And the moral my grandmother bestowed always centered on being good, kind, and helpful, and not like this man... Of the town who lost his soul. Oh. That's quite a that's quite a story. Could you could you imagine like 
this story coming from someone like who experienced right yeah like what would that to live in that moment in that experience must have been horrifying i probably would have been like okay ladies it's been so nice working with you <laughs> it's been so nice i'm going to i have to collect go. my guard pigs and go home <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm done for the day Thank do you think you so they much. had guard pigs there they probably did I of wonder, course where's that region do you think everyone in italy just had guard pigs I mean, my dad did, so I don't understand why nobody else would. <laughs> what if it wasn't even common for that, and your dad was the only one that had that? Um, I also <laughs> wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> wow. Wow. I mean, that totally, totally sounds like a really cool kind of non-traditional, but traditional style, um... I don't, but would you call it an old old wives' tale to to just kind of make sure that the children stay stay good, stay kind? I would, except except that it's like a a story. Except that it's a family story. That this is a family story. Yeah, that's that's wild. been passed down. Like that's what makes it for me, kind of like a. Because it's not just, like, a story people hear. Like, it's not about Krampus. Right, right, right. No, you know? you're, you're totally right. It's a, Who also, it's a family I, story. I love Krampus, just in case anyone was wondering. The American but it's not Dad version, or? All versions yeah. of Krampus. Every version. But, yeah, that's the thing, is it's not just, like, a... Out of a book, it's something that someone's family member experienced. Like... Wow. That's traumatic, to say the least. Gosh, I wish we knew... <laughs> more about the story and that would you can so ask cool. tina yeah yeah ask tina <laughs> we'll ask tina yeah that's a really really cool story yeah all right okay so aurora from murder murder news writes i had just moved into my new house in austin texas and was living by myself for the first time my best friend nicole had come to visit me from florida to help me get unpacked and organized, and after a day of sorting through boxes, we both had some wine, said goodnight, and went to sleep in our separate bedrooms. I woke up in the middle of the night to the sound of my cabinets slamming open and closed. My cat, Osiris, cool name, was always up to no good, so I assumed he was trying to fish some snack out of the cabinet or hoping I would wake up to him crashing around to feed him an early breakfast. You know, typical behavior from the god of the underworld. I went out to the kitchen to capture the cat, but when I couldn't immediately find him, I figured he was hiding and went back to my room. Nicole stuck her head out of her room and asked what the noise was. I told her Osiris was being an asshole, and she opened her door to show me that Osiris had been asleep with her the whole time. We were both freaked out, uh, looked around the house to make sure no one was hiding in the closet somewhere. Yes, I have read The Stranger Beside Me three times. And then went back to bed. That same night, I had a dream that I awoke to the sound of someone digging through my boxes in the hallway. I opened my bedroom door to discover a teenage boy in suspenders looking through my things. He seemed to detect my presence, picked up a large instrument case, and swung it around to hit me in the head. I ducked and moved, uh, moved out of the hallway, and my, my pit bull lunged out of bed barking and ran into the hallway right through the ghost boy. The next morning, 
Nicole had started organizing the kitchen when I woke up and she had told me she had the creepiest dream. She dreamed that a teenage boy in suspenders was in her house and digging through our boxes. Two things were very clear to us. Firstly, we had a ghost and we were living in a haunted house. Secondly, our ghost was not at all amused by the mess we had created with our boxes in his house and we would have to work faster to get things organized. This was the fastest I had ever finished unpacking a house. And once we had things organized, we never heard banging on our cabinets again. <laughs> wow. I did occasionally have friends sleep over who had mentioned sensing a presence in the kitchen, but he seemed to be at peace so long as I kept the dishes clean. <laughs> That's cute. That's like... Is there anything scary? Like, could you imagine if I was like, oh my God, I had this terrible dream that... There was a ghost in my house and he threw, he tried to hit me in the head. And then you were like, wait, I had a dream that there was a ghost in my house and he was trying to hit. Like, what? (laughs) That would be absolutely horrifying to end up having basically the exact same dream. And to even have the dream after you hear some stuff banging around in your kitchen. But I love that she just has to make sure that she keeps it nice and neat. At least you know that it's a... uh, very tidy he just spirit. likes order yeah that's all he wants is just order man okay so our last story and i hope i'm saying this right i believe it's alicia from the podcast two sisters and a cult she writes my husband and i moved from new jersey and bought a house in a small town in north carolina almost two years ago Well, just a few months after moving into our new home, we received a letter with the return address of welcome, a postmark from Charlotte, three hours away, and a Scooby-Doo stamp. (laughs) Immediately, I knew this uh, letter was suspicious as fuck, so I grabbed my work gloves and opened the envelope. This is what it said, word for word. Welcome. Welcome to the neighborhood. We hope you enjoy your stay and live well. Word of advice, respect your neighbors and mind your own business. The same shall be returned to you. Welcome to Spring Lake and know everyone that's friendly are not always friends. Ezekiel 33 verse 11. For curious minds, Ezekiel 33:11 says, Say to them, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, people of Israel? My first thought was, welcome to the fucking South, and who taught you to write like an idiot? (laughs) The next thing I did was call the local non-emergency line, and they sent two cops over to talk to me. They said that since there wasn't anything threatening, they wouldn't be taking the letter or taking any action. Well, I put the letter in a Ziploc bag, and that bitch is waiting to be logged as evidence should anything happen. We recently got new neighbors and they asked us about a strange letter they had received. As far as we know, three of our neighbors have gotten a letter. I've attached the photo. She sent it to me. I'll show you it after. Yeah. Um, I'll ask if I can share it on the, on the Instagrams or maybe she wants to keep it private, but we'll find out. But who, like, <laughs> so I have questions. Who, who's writing? Who is compelled to write such a thing like that. Also, 
they have to be someone someone local but they're mailing it from far away like it's obviously to like conceal who they are it's probably like another ethel mertz looking through the curtains but why that that postmark or whatever calling her sister and be like it's time for you to write another letter yeah aline you know but like three hours away i mean her sister might live far away i don't know telling but someone it's... else <laughs> I, I that's weird and like also what are they saying like do they have a weird experience or are they just like weird people telling everyone to act right in the neighborhood? Like, I don't understand. And like, they have a Bible verse on hand. Like also the other notes, did they have the same Bible verse? I wonder. That would be very interesting to find out. You know, it, it honestly, it could always be one of those things that a very, very long time ago, it could have been something in a family that somebody just didn't ever let go of that. The house? What do you mean? Maybe even a house on the block. You never know. Like, it could just be neighborhood watch. Keeping a, a firm eye on uh, what goes on. Like, militant, religious. Yeah, they're like <laughs> Hank's Hilling, the, uh, the area. Wow. That's wild. Could you imagine? That's very creepy. And you know what? I'm such a, a ditz in, in that way too that I would probably receive that letter and be like oh boy thank you thank you so much I wouldn't even think to look up what the verse was I you might just throw like, in the trash I'd like, is this the verse itself I, I mean that's that's something I would love to see that Ugh. welcome it's typed but welcome to the neighborhood it's still it's very interesting um they just have him on hand maybe they printed a whole bunch like I don't know it's very weird and very creepy. I don't like that. Um, but yeah, those are those are our stories. I want to thank all of the podcasters who I spoke with for sending in their story. I think that's cool. We're all in quarantine. We're all doing the best we can. Um, let me list out the podcast for you real quick. So if you're interested, listen. Honestly, at this point, give it a chance. You're not doing anything. Give them all a chance. It doesn't matter, right? So, in order, Forensic Miles is an unofficial companion podcast to Forensic Files. Super cool. Big Bucket of Chicken. Lou's described this to me so many times. He always says it's like two fat guys talking around. And they're not really fat anymore. Before? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Sitting around, <laughs> bullshitting, laughing, telling stories. It's just, you know, it's lighthearted. It's just bros and brown out. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's something. Big bucket of chicken, check that one out. Working classless is a shot of solidarity to folk in retail and service industries. Wicked buzz fueled by alcohol. <laughs> the believer and the skeptic discuss the paranormal conspiracies and true crime. The muck is a true crime podcast with a political twist. Murder Murder News is a news and media website for all things true crime and spooky. Two sisters and a cult is two sister cult survivors talking about cults. Mm. So, hope you had a nice time. And uh, you have anything you want to say? Say to people before, I, before we go? Enjoy the heck out of your quarantine, whether you're doing things to, you know, pump yourself up or just trying to get through day by day. Make it happen for yourself. Whatever you have person. to do to get through. Yeah, yes. Exactly. And stay safe. Stay healthy. 
this has been True Crime Time, the podcast where it's always time for true crime, except during quarantine, we're time for other things as well. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for com- coming. All right. Thanks. Sorry, I couldn't get you fresca. <sighs> <laughs> That's a story for another time. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye.